0: But this week, we preached first on missions conferences because that everyone will spend eternity somewhere forever. We preached on Sunday night that we have a missions conference because of the value of a soul. We preached on Monday night, there's a missions conference because there is a hell. We preached last night, there is a missions conference because there is a heaven. And tonight, we're going to preach on what should we do because of mission's conference. If you have your bible i've been asked you to turn with me if you will to Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. This is commonly called the great commission. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. And i believe tonight i'll share with you the three things that everyone should do. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I come to you again asking for your help. I know numbers of people have prayed for this service tonight. We know we need your help. Lord, it's so good to know that you're here because where two or three are gathered together, you're there in the midst. What a wonderful, assuring thought that is. Lord, we want you to have not just prominence, but to be preeminent here tonight. Says Colossians 2 says that in all things, he might have the preeminence or absolute first place. Lord, I acknowledge publicly one more time that I need your help. I have no desire to do this by myself tonight. For we know the arm of flesh will fail us, but your arm fails not. And hence we truly desire to lean on the everlasting arms. And I pray that for having been here tonight, we might be different and be a little bit closer to being the Christians you saved us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. What should we do because of Missions Conference? We should either go or be willing to go. And I realize tonight as I deal with many folks who are senior saints, who are retired, I don't expect you to pack up tomorrow and go to Uganda. But we should be willing. Can I challenge you tonight, my friend, to be willing to obey every influence of the Holy Spirit? To do what he tells you to do. To go where he tells you to go. The songwriter said, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. We talk about going. There's so many hymns that deal with this. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep over the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, of mighty to say. Now, while I said I don't expect many of you to up and go to the mission field this week, we ought to go and share the good news of the gospel. It's the greatest thing we could ever do. I have to tell you tonight, I think there's five important things that are part of every Christian's life. Three of them are pretty easy for me. It's not hard for me to go to church. I've been doing it since I was a little boy. And besides, I'd get fired if I didn't go to church. (laughs) Secondly, read the Bible. It's a habit in my life. The psalmist said, early will I seek thee. Third, tithe and give an offering. That's what God wants us to do. My dad taught us a tithe in elementary school. We got our allowance on Monday morning. I could promise you with seven kids, it was always in change. I think I peaked out at a dollar. Minimum wage was about $1.75 then. So I was getting a dollar. So my weekly pay was similar to Uganda. All right. But my dad would put two stacks, our money and God's money. It was a dollar. We'd have 90 cents, and there'd be a dime for God. Then he would say, by the way, God wants you to give an offering as well. And he would leave that up to us. The tithe is the Lord's. And then offering comes from us. So it's really not hard for me to do those things. You do those things because you're an obedient Christian. But there's two other aspects of the Christian life that are more difficult for me. I'm going to tell you what they are. We're going to talk about one of them a little later, and that is praying. Prayer could be work. Prayer could can, can be flat-out work. And the other is being a witness. I'm glad that Pastor Lytel has led this church for decades in the importance of sharing the gospel, of giving tracts, and inviting people to church. That's a wonderful thing to do. That's being about rescuing the perishing. How about the song, bring them in? Bring them in. Bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring the wandering ones to Jesus. That's something God wants us to do. The first word of the Great Commission is go. This really is the starting point. This is a foundation for what God wants in our life. Now let me say this, friends. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 17, listen to this verse. Therefore, to him that doeth knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I'm afraid that many Christians will say, Well, I don't have the gift of soul winning. It's not a gift, it's a command. Curtis Hudson, a famous preacher of yesteryear long been in heaven, said this. He said, the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience. That's it. Now, I realize some sow, some water, God gives the increase. But I believe that many of us could seek to do more about seeing increase. If I were to tell you tonight, Folks, something you didn't know about me is that I was the nephew of the famous Steve Jobs of Apple Computer. By the way, I'm not. When he died, the Disney stock alone that he owned was worth $4 billion. And I, not surprisingly, was his favorite nephew. And he left me $100 million. And what I have decided to do is, every church I preach in, if you bring a first-time visitor next week, over the age of 16 years of age, I will give you $10,000. I wonder how many visitors would be here next week. I don't have the money, so let's just do it for Jesus. Could you imagine the spirit here if we we're the 20, 30, 40, 50 visitors next week? If we would compel people to come in? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We want to say, we're not Calvinists, but we act like Calvinists. Well, if they're going to get saved, they get saved. Oh, no. God has told us to be fishers of men. God has told us to go. Some years ago, I got a visit on Saturday morning. And Jerry Furso, our souling director, one of the top three or four solders I've ever met, gave it to me and said, I want you to go see this guy. And he said, Sure said Lancaster. Then I looked more carefully at it. And I immediately had a bad attitude. Our church is at 40th East and Avenue J. Lancaster is a pre-planned committee, so from J to K is a mile. K to L is a mile. L to M is a mile. From 40th to 50th is a mile. 50th to 60th is a mile. The house was on W 4 at 165th Street East. 26 miles away. See, how'd you feel about that? Oh, I have, I have empathy. I said, Oh, my soul. I said, Next time, give me something in the state of California. I wasn't happy, but I took it. I grabbed my son and said, Come make this visit with me. And I was supposed to do something for pastor at noon. And I knew this is 26 miles each way. And I had a bad attitude. I started driving out there on my way out there. I said to myself, I said, it's probably on a dirt road with wild dogs in a trailer. Great spirit. Then, about halfway there, I thought, dude, I had to call and see if he's home. I called, no answer. I literally started to turn my truck around. Then I said this He ought to know at least that somebody cares about him. I said, at least we'll go out there and write a note, and put it on a track, and leave it on store. door. And sure enough, it was in a trailer. It was on a dirt road. It was hard to find. No wild dogs, though. I pulled in. I'm not happy. I told my son, stay in the car. I got on track. I'm riding on the track. I walked to the door. I knocked on the door. I'm finishing it, and the door opened. I about jumped four feet. <laughs> I said, hi, my name is... Mark Rasmussen from Lancaster Baptist Church. He said, I was hoping someone would come here. i waved my son, come on in, come on in. We went in. As soon as I walked in this double wide or triple wide, I realized it was the most unusual trailer I'd ever been in, or mobile home I'd ever been in. There were animal trophies from Africa everywhere. And not just like at eye level, there were like three layers up and down. And having a gift of observing the obvious, I said, you've been to Africa. Okay. Duh. He goes, I've been four times in the last 10 years. Have you ever opened your mouth and inserted your foot? I said, safaris, If those of you don't know, they're very expensive. You pay per animal that you shoot. Then you have to send it to a taxidermist. Then you have to ship it back to the States. I said, why do you live here? He said, well, my wife has horses. Well, it made sense. We sat down and about 45 minutes later, Dave Payne, a millionaire businessman, bowed his head and prayed, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. He was out of town the next Sunday and I said, Well, come the next week and get baptized. Said, That's what Christians do. They get saved, they get baptized. Had a young man get saved in chapel here this morning. I said, Your next step is to get baptized. He said, Okay, just like that. I said, bring your wife. She wasn't there that day. He said, I'll bring her. I said, I'll take you out for lunch afterwards. By the way, if you want to get people to come, if you invite them to lunch, you have a much better chance of getting them to come. In all seriousness, we have meals with people we care about. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Of the first 56 people I saw join our church, 52 had been in our home for a meal. The Bible says be given to hospitality. And by the way, it's not what you have. It's that you have them. One of our youngest staff members had been married for two weeks. They advised someone over after church, after Sunday night church. They had cupcakes and Kool-Aid. The people joined the church. Well, I started witnessing to his wife at the table at Marie Callender's restaurant there in Lancaster. She says, don't start with me. I ride horses on Sunday. But she commuted about 75 miles each way to work. I backed off. So I decided to send my wife out there. Who's going to get mad at my wife, Susan? She's much sweeter than I am. She made her some homemade brownies. She drove 26 and a half miles out of her house. The lady didn't even let her come in the home. But about three months later, Dave Payne called me up and says, do you ever do any marriage counseling? I said, Well, I'm not an expert, but I've spoken at about 100 couples' retreats. I know what the Bible says about marriage. He says, My wife and I are having problems. Oh, by the way, they met at AA, not American Automobile Association, Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Probably not the best place to start dating, if you know what I'm saying. He says, We're not getting along. I said, Sure. I said, Why don't you come out? I got to make some visits Saturday. Meet me at about 11. We'll talk for a while, then I'll take you out to lunch. He says, Okay. We got there. Her name was Terry. I said, Terry. You want your marriage to work? She said, Yes. I said, I know exactly what your problem is. She said, Did Dave tell you something? No, no. I said, He said, Dave became a Christian. He's coming Sunday mornings, tonight, Wednesday. He's getting close to the Lord, and you're not. So as he gets close to the Lord, you're getting farther apart. Would you like to get to know Jesus so you can get close to the Lord? And she said, Yes, she did. And that day, I'm off. She bowed her head and prayed, trusted Christ as her Savior. It wasn't long after that we had our Christmas musical and she invited her mom to come. Her mom lived in Palmdale, neighboring town. And My wife and I went to see her mom and led her to Christ. Then at Christmas time, her daughter came. She was a stewardess at an airline. and My daughter Lisa, who's now a missionary in Thailand, she led her to Christ. It was worth driving 26 miles for. Do all your neighbors know that you love Jesus? Do your neighbors know where you go to church? No offense. They meet your pastor and his wife. They meet Pastor Chris. They're going to like it. But you got to get them here. You got to get them here. Are we willing to go? First, at home, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and around the world. Secondly, because the Missions Conference, we should pray. We should pray. When we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. When we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what God can do. There may be a young person here that during this week, you have felt the call to the mission field. That can only come from the Lord. Maybe you're a young person. Say God spoke in my heart about that. I hope you'll see my wife or I or one of these missionary couples here tonight and let us know about that. Talk to your pastor about that. I've got a slide here, a picture that they'll throw up on the screen here. And that's my daughter, my son-in-law, and three of our four grandchildren. Parents, they're a long ways away. I haven't seen them for two and a half years because of COVID. We planned on it. I've only been in Thailand for six days. I was preaching in Sri Lanka off the coast of India, and I went by for three days. Another time I was preaching in New Zealand, I went by for three days. I was going to be there for 10 days last May, and COVID shut it down. But you know what? Can I say this about this family? I love them. I talked to to them two days ago. My 10-year-old grandson, Justin, who's there in the middle, he says, Grandpa, I sure hope I can go to your house this summer. And they said this, and go in your pool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I hope he can, too. I don't think he's going to be able to because of restrictions in Thailand. But my wife said to Elisa, she said, well, Elisa, maybe 10 or 15 years down the road, maybe you would be a field director, be in the United States, and so we could see you more often. And my daughter said, Mom, we don't want to leave Thailand. That's where God has called us. And doing what God wants you to do is the most important thing you could ever do. So young person, if you're here tonight, God's told you to go. Happiness is finding God's will and doing it. And if someone does that, parents, don't, don't ever discourage them. Encourage them. What a wonderful thing to live in such a way that brings honor to our Lord. So go, first of all, number two is pray. Who should you pray for? Can I encourage you to daily pray for your pastor? Pray for your pastor. Exodus 17, 10 through 13, Aaron and Her held up the hands of Moses. Would you like to hold up the hands of Brother Lytale? Pray for him and let him know you're praying for him. I text my, my pastor every Saturday night or Sunday morning saying say, I'm praying for you as you preach today. I, now, I'm five years older than my pastor. I'm 63, he's 58. But I want to hold up his hands by praying for him. There's numbers of people I've texted today. I texted a pastor's wife's been very sad. So I'm praying for your wife today. Texted him at least twice. I texted a preacher who's in Dubai who just got out of a hospital after three weeks in a hospital with COVID pneumonia. I tried to text him several times today. He's a great friend of mine. So I prayed for you today. I texted a pastor in Sacramento who had quadruple bypass this last week. So I'm praying for you today. His answer was, thank you for your faithfulness and prayer. How long does it take to take, say a prayer and let someone know you're praying for them? Not a long time. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your missionaries. I've already encouraged you. Your, their emails are out there. Why don't you pick two a week and email them and say, I prayed for you this week. You're my missionary of the week. You've got 100 missionaries. You'd get through all over the course of a year. Maybe you'd want to do it two times a year, three times a year. Pastor Lytel was talking about some people who have read the Bible more in your church. I had a man in my Sunday school class who, while working, while working, read his Bible through cover to cover eight times in a year. I don't think he spent a lot of time on Netflix or TikTok. You see, he was more concerned about God's book than Facebook. And I believe God's pleased when we encourage you. I got an email today from a missionary that I think was in Panama. And he's, tried, he's in quarantine to get back into the country. And he was on my list last week. And I and he said, thank you for praying for us. I'm going to tell you a secret, friends. If you walk to the door right now, I don't know what he looks like. He's one of our, we have about 220 missionaries. but I pray for some every week. Pray for your missionaries. Pray for the lost. Probably every one of us here tonight knows someone who's lost. Let me challenge you to make a commitment to pray for them specifically. The Bible says this, God forbid that I should sin and cease to pray for you. My dad prayed for his father every day for 14 years before he got saved. When My dad left to go to Bob Jones University as a 24-year-old young man, the only son of the family, who was going to take over the family business. His father said, if you go, don't bother coming back. They prayed for him. They got saved. Pray for the lost. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So it be a miracle if they got saved. I'll show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He wants to show us great things. Jeremiah 32, verse 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Listen now, listen now. Is there anything too hard for me? <laughs> it's nothing too hard for God. What a great encouragement. we got to pray for more laborers. The theme of West Coast Baptist College is very simple. Trading laborers for his harvest. I've run the yearbooks there for 22 years. I named the yearbook. We call it The Harvester. Because we're trading laborers for the harvest. Why do we do that? Because Jesus had one prayer. And he said this, and I quote. He said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers in the harvest field. We get so excited when someone's going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. And by the way, God calls some people to do those things. But I'm going to tell you, we ought to get really excited when someone wants to serve God. they are helping to fulfill the prayer of Jesus who prayed for laborers for the harvest field. We ought to pray for that. Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray there for the Lord of the harvest that will send forth laborers. We ought to pray for the laborers themselves. The Sunday school teachers, the workers in the church, the youth pastor, the assistant pastor, lift them up in prayer. Matthew 5 verses 13 through 60 deals with that. Paul said this to the church of Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. My friends, if the apostle Paul wanted people to pray for him. The greatest Christian in the New Testament era. He wrote over half the New Testament. The greatest missionary church who whoever lives, says, brethren, pray for us. Let's encourage other people by praying for them. Romans 15, verse 30, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive together with me. How? In your prayers. I don't know, Noah, if I will ever go to Mozambique, but I can strive with you by praying for you. Folks, these folks are expecting. You're 22. What's that? He's 21 years old. This is their first church meeting. They need your prayers. By the way, Brother Flowers is not 21. Closer to 81. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a little humor. But he needs your prayers. Paul said, you strive together with me in your prayers for me. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. When someone comes to your mind, pray for them. It doesn't mean we're down on our knees in our closet at all times, but we have an attitude of prayer. Jesus showed us how to pray. Jesus prayed when he was alone, Jesus prayed in public, Jesus prayed before meals, Jesus prayed before important decisions, Jesus prayed before healing, Jesus prayed after healing, Jesus prayed to do the Father's will, Jesus prayed consistently, he went into a mountain to pray, rising up early in the morning to pray, will you be a person who will go, will you be a person who will pray? In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 is a powerful convicting verse. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in CC, to pray for you. James 5, verse 16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Friends, it counts for something. We need to be people of prayer. Can I say this? When it comes to missions, you can be a part of missions all over the world by praying for your missionaries. You'll have a part of that. I believe that there will be fruit to your account if you pray for those missionaries around the world. Places that not only will you never go, that I will never go. And thirdly, and finally tonight, not only will we be willing to go and willing to pray, we'll be willing to give. David said this, and I quote, that which cost me nothing, I would not have. I wrote this quote down by Amy Carmichael, an amazing missionary. She says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If my children or grandchildren need something, because I love them, I want to do things for them. In Thailand, most houses don't have kitchens, but the house they rent has a kitchen outside. They have lizards run through it, and it's incredibly hot and humid there. And we've watched them in FaceTime and seen the sweat rolling off the baby's face and her hair totally wet. My wife said, we need to buy them an air conditioner. And of course, when she says we, she means me. And because I'm a believer in the verse in Proverbs 37 41, happy wife, happy life. That's not a verse, by the way, okay? But it is true, okay? I said, let's do it. Now, why would we spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get them an air conditioner? Because we love them. We FaceTimed them last night. They were 12 hours ahead. They were doing their schoolwork there said, so are you in the kitchen? I said, are you cool? It made me feel good. Because we love them. And we show our love by what we invest in. Let me share some things with you. Giving is mentioned 811 times in the Bible. Huh. I think maybe it's important. Give it; it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and overflowing, it shall be heap into your bosom. You say, I give to missions, and I say amen to that. By the way, I will talk about giving financially, but I also want to talk tonight about giving of your time and your talent. There's different ways to give. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart shall let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a what? Cheerful. Cheerful giver. It actually means hilarious. This is awesome to give to this. I have attended a church for the last 24 years that is a giving church. Pastor went there 35 years ago, had no salary for 16 months. The church was located on a one-acre parcel. They supported two missionaries at $30 a month. And when he got there, they were three months behind in their support. They've raised tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars and built many buildings. And I remember paying for a radio station in Uganda for Brother Stences for $65,000. Uh, buying a building in China for a missionary there, again, for about $60,000, one offering. I see the church give and give and give, and I believe God is blessed and blessed and blessed. God gives us time. God gives us talent. God gives us treasure. And most people, as they're blessed, often go like this. Awesome. This is great. Oh, here's some more. But what God wants is to go like this. Yes, we have needs. We have things we have to pay. Listen, okay, I can help some here. Get some here. Oh, I can help some over here. Oh, I've got this. I could be a special blessings missionary here. I believe with all my heart that's what God expects from us. I believe that's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're commanded to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, often quoted as the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5-7, through 7, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and dust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor dust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Friends, you cannot give God. Give and it shall be given to you. It says in Luke 6:38. The Bible says in Psalm 81, verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. I think we ought to save for retirement. I believe that. A wise man considereth evil and fleeth thereof. If something were to happen to me, I want my wife taken care of, obviously. And I've taken means to do that. I have a life insurance policy. I have some investments i want her cared for. That's something I should do. If I don't, the Bible says I'm worse than an infidel. Pretty strong statement. But can I say this? We can trust God how much is enough? Probably the richest American who ever lived was a man by the name of John Rockefeller. In today's dollars, now remember, Bezos, Zuckerberg, Buffett are all worth between 80 and 120 billion dollars. In today's dollars, they said John D. Rockefeller would be worth 400 billion dollars. They all say he'd be the richest man who ever lived in America. They said to him, how much money do you, do you want to get? He said, just a little bit more. Oh, by the way, he was a Baptist. Just a little bit more. How much is enough? And we want to save. But I think we have to be very careful with what we do with that which God has entrusted to us. People have to say, well, the tithe is the Lord's. No, can I correct that? It's all the Lord's. We are stewards of what he has given us and what He wants us to do with that. Let me challenge you with your time to give towards the kingdom. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe visiting shut-ins once we get through COVID. Handing out gospel tracts. Ministering to people that God places in your time. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, a very interesting verse, withhold not good from them to whom it is due what's in the power of thy hand to do it. Don't withhold good to whom it is due. Would you able to do something about it? How about your talent? You say, well, I don't know my talent is. Ask your pastor. I guarantee you, Pastor Lytel can think of something you can do. You say, Ooh, I don't want to ask that. He might think of something. <laughs> I get that. We teach servant leadership at our college. We tell people, say, Is there anything I can do to help you? And once in a while, someone will say that. Say, Yeah, I can use some help. They look at me like seriously. Well, you just ask me. Is there anything you can do to help me? Now let's really be willing to help, be willing to serve. I appreciate the secretarial staff who, every time I'm here, just made it very easy coming in, just taking care of everything. That's serving. Not a platform position, but I appreciate that. So our talent, but then finally our treasure, and this is where it gets personal, because we don't like people talking to us about our money. Can I say this? It's all God's. And we need to ask him what he wants to do with the money he's entrusted to us. The piano sounds especially nice here. What I did tonight, I went up to see what kind it was. Steinway. Somebody invested in the church. That adds to service. Is it either Hannah or Heather's the a piano player? What is it? Hannah, yeah, great job with the piano, but you know what? It helps have you a great piano. You say, well, that's an expensive piano for the church. Go and read about what the temple was like that Solomon built. Go read about how nice the portable tabernacle was. Most of us don't want to outfit our living room with stuff from the thrift store. I think God's house deserves some good things as well. I really believe that. Christian businessman, R.G. Laterno, who made Caterpillar-like equipment, there's Laterno College in Texas, started giving 10% and then 20. And God just kept blessing, so he started giving 30. And God blessed him more, he started giving 40. And by the end of his life, he was giving 90% of everything he made to the Lord. He said, I can't give it away fast enough. God just keeps giving me more. There was a man who sold RV vehicles in Indiana. He was very generous with the Lord. He ran, he was the largest RV dealership in America. His widow lives in Florida now, goes to Fundamental Baptist Church. And I have a friend who's on his board. He's in heaven now. I took him out to eat one time. He said, tell me about this business. His name was Tom Raper. He said, Well, let me tell you this about Tom Raper. He just kept giving to God, and for 17 years, now this is an amazing statistic. Businessmen, you'll understand this better than others. Every month he had was bigger than the previous month. Every month for 17 straight years. RVs break down sometimes. His bays for repairing them, he had 100 of them. And God blessed him. You cannot give God. And it'll last. I don't know how much you should give, but I would like to give you a personal testimony tonight. Just two more stories and we're done. I think I understand better than most here tonight the concept that lay it for yourselves treasures in heaven because it's personal. And when it's personal, it's real. Every year at our church, we take a big offering for whatever we're building at the time. I've seen us build a $10 million building and have it paid for we moved in. Our church, since pastor's been there, has built $70 million worth of buildings. And by the way, we have a grand total of two doctors in our church. Now we have three, Dr. Crab. (laughs) One works in a prison. Probably not the highest income. And the other guy does hair transplants. (laughs) He has muscular dystrophy, he can't walk. I think he's had one job in the last two months, you know. Guess a little fewer hair transplants during COVID, I guess. We have a whole lot of people who just say, you know, I'm behind the program. We have a lot of nurses, policemen, people who work at Edwards Air Force Base. When I got there, we found out we're having this big building for the current auditorium we're in. And my wife and I decided we had sold the house. We had not bought another house. We decided to give some of the equity of the house. Not all of it, by any means. I don't want to pull an Ananias and Sapphire and keel over dead. But we gave the largest offer we'd ever given in our life at that time. We wanted to be all in. We wanted to be a part of it. About two or three years later, it hit me. Jim, sadly, we do this every year. And one year, I gave some silver bars I'd been saving. They were $4 an ounce back then. It wasn't a good time to give them, but that's what I had. Several years, I gave some stocks that had appreciated. Most years, it was cash. And every year, we've given something. But one year came, and I literally, I had no stocks. I'd given my silver bars, and I think we had about Four hundred dollars in a checking account. I said, "Lord, just can't do anything this year. Can't give what you don't have. We're pretty conservative." I just sold a vehicle that I drove from two thousand and seven until this year, fourteen years. Bought it with thirty thousand miles. Drove it to two forty two. Bought it for ten thousand. Sold it for two thousand. Bought a good five year old Chevy truck. I said, I don't have anything to give. And Lord almost spoke to me and said, well, what about the stuff in your jewelry chest? Now, I don't know about you, man, but I look at my jewelry chest about twice a year. I have a little box from Thailand that I keep my cufflinks in because I'll wear cufflinks once or twice a month. And that's on top of the jewelry chest. But the jewelry chest itself, it's just, I never get in there. I would never open up the jewelry chest. I had my high school ring in there. This ring here was given to me 21 years ago. In 1999, by Pastor Chap. it's a West Coast Baptist country. I'm not going to wear my high school ring; wear a West Coast ring. I had a ring in there that my mom had given me when I was like sixth or seventh grade. It was way too small for me. It was just 10 karat gold, black onyx, a letter M. I was going to give that to my son. He's not a junior, but his name is Mark Rowland after myself and my dad. I had a roll of Morgan silver dollars, MS63, 20 of them. I had two very nice pair of cufflinks. And one had a gold and a half-ounce gold coin on each of them. As you could probably tell by looking at me, I'm not a bling guy. I had never worn them one time, Jim. I, you know, um, I had never worn the cufflinks one time in Lancaster. The class ring was 14-karat gold. My mom had given it to me. It had my name inscribed in it. I decided to give that in the offering. I even put a little piece of paper. I said, this is 14-karat gold, not 10-karat. Those of you who don't know, pure gold is 24 karat. Nothing is made of that. Uh, Indian jewelry kind of has a mustard color. It's 18 karat gold. Good jewelry is 14 karat, then there's 10 karat. I put it in the offering plate and I forgot about it. Until about three months later, our house got robbed. They took the whole jewelry chest. Can I tell you what I thought? I wish I had given more. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, someday we will all say, I wish I had given him more, whether it's time, talent, or treasure. I close with one last story, and I'm done tonight. I want to thank you for being faithful, for listening so well. It was 9-11. I read about three or four books after the event. It's just an amazing tragedy. 3,000 people gave their lives. And one of the most amazing stories to me is the story of this man, Michael Benfonte. Michael Benfonte and the gentleman right next to him, John Cercarea, worked on the 81st floor of Tower One, the one that was hit first. He came to attention on that day because after the building was hit, he began to shepherd people off his floor and get them towards the stairwell. But they came to a lady whose name was Tina Fanson, F A N S E N. She was disabled. She was in a wheelchair. And these two men realized, of course, the elevators were out, that the only way that Tina Fanson would live is if they would carry her down 81 flights of stairs. Let's mull that over for a little while. I think I have another picture, another slide there. These are the two men coming out of the tower. They begin to carry her inner wheelchair down those stairs, one below, one above. Just imagine walking down 81 flights of stairs, much less carrying a wheelchair. Down they went. It's interesting. They got her out. Literally, with six minutes to spare, six minutes later, the entire tower came down. Let me tell you what Michael Benfonte said. He said, I acted in the only way I knew how to. It wasn't a matter of sitting there and calculating what could happen to me or what could happen. I saw someone who needed help. I asked a simple question. I said, do you need help? She said, yes. I went to action and we carried her out. By the way, not everybody wants help. But all we can do is try. Some seeds halls on stony ground, some on thorny ground, some on shallow ground. Oh, there was another man on a much lower floor, paralyzed the waist down. Fireman saw him, said I Want to carry you down. He said, No, I'll wait till I can take the elevator. He turned down help. He died there that day. But at least we have to offer. It took them 96 minutes to climb down those 91 flights of stairs. He said, well, everything kind of worked out for me that day. Everyone on my floor made it out. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Merciful. Jesus will save friends we live in a world that needs help let's try to help them by our going by our praying and by our giving let's pray tonight Lord Jesus I pray that you will bless each person in this good church I thank you for a faithful pastor that's led them the right way I pray Lord as they fill out Faith promise commitment. Do they you realize they're voting on sending more people to the mission field, on seeing more people get saved? I pray you'll help me, Lord, help me to live more with eternity's values of view. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Benita Springs, Florida.